Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. At Kroger, everyone wins when it comes to saving big. Because when you order online through the Kroger app, you get the same great prices, deals, and rewards on pickup or delivery that you do in-store with no hidden fees or markups. Best of all, you'll know when items in your cart have a coupon, so you never miss a deal. So whether you're a delivery lover, picker-upper, or you shop in-store, no matter how you shop, you'll always save big at Kroger. Kroger, fresh for everyone. I want winners. I want people that want to win. It is We Want Winners. Roderick Adams and myself, Double G, are back. Still on that bi-monthly schedule here. But soon enough, when it gets to the preseason games, I think we're going to try and come back weekly. But until then, every other week or so on We Want Winners and Rod, we have a few things to talk about here, uh, including some some something you want to talk about, which is kind of like storylines heading into training camp. And we'll get there. But before we get there, I was wondering if you saw the Matt Barrows athletic piece on the rankings of the positions for the 49ers. He said, and I thought this was interesting because that Jim Harbaugh team had some really good players on it. He said this might be the most talented roster in the century. What did you think about that? Yeah, I... That was my initial pushback. I don't think there's any question, um, skill position-wise, um, that that's the case. I, I think that is absolutely true. But I, I, I didn't go deep because I was working on a bunch of different stuff um, around what we're going to talk about on mm-hmm. this show, and then I got sidetracked on this whole other thing. Um, but, um defensively that is a i think that is an awesome um conversation to to be had cowboy and alden and um bam bam and bowman versus um this iteration of the team with nick and Fred and I, I think I think it's a fascinating conversation, but I think on an overall basis, I think he's right. I think this probably is the most stacked um, roster we've had in the past century for sure. Yeah, and you know, to hit he he thought and I, I we had we had discussed this. I don't remember exactly all of what we said, but he had the running back position as the top position on the 49ers roster as far as talent and depth is concerned. He had running back one, defensive tackle two, safety three, linebacker four. So you're talking about uh, one offensive position out of the first four, and then he had wide receiver at five. What, what, what did you think about those rankings? I think, Running, I think that's. Hmm. I haven't. Again, you, you, we, 
I, I didn't I didn't catch this when it first came out. And actually you pulled my coat on it and <laughs> I really haven't had a chance to like like break it down, break it down. But my initial thoughts is what you're getting right now is what I initially think. I think that the running back is is it's kind of high because I, I just it, he talks about the depth and it it that okay I I can give you that but it's also a lot of projection. Um, Eli, I think you know you can make the case that he's probably one of the best number twos in the league, but yeah. I mean health is. Um, a concern. I mean, and it's 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 a part of the conversation with him um, when he's playing and when he's right. Yeah, I mean, I think he, you know, I would take him over just about any other two in the league. I mean, he's he's a, a really really dynamic player. He has RB one um, traits. He was sure. an RB one for yeah, us for sure. But health is, you know, at this point, health has to be part of the conversation with him. I mean, because he's never been able to be healthy um, for an entire season. And then behind him, um, JP was a revelation, but it's something that goes into this, um, a greater conversation and the conversation I've had a lot with Brock this season is how you view a person based on what your expectations of what that person was. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that, that it, it figures it's the narrative with JP as it does with Brock is, I mean, and I'm not, not to say like with somebody like Brock who legitimately had a great season last year. And it's even greater when you um, view it through the lens of what the expectations from that person was, I mean, he's the last player in the draft. JP was an undrafted player. Mm-hmm. So um, again, it figured it, that fact has to factor into the narrative. Um, when you get that kind of production from somebody who you weren't expecting it from, you know, it, I, I, I'm, I, I would say that it even enhances or um, it, it's even more. So it, it, it enhances what it is that you, you know, what that performance was, you know, when somebody is a first round pick and they, you know, give you a certain, I mean, it's not to say it's not impressive, but in a, at a certain, in a certain way, it's expected, you know, you expect your first round pick to give you, you know, a high level of performance Mm -hmm. that you don't expect the, um, the 262nd pick, you know, you don't expect the same things from those people. Um, so it factors in. So I think, I, I, I think that, I think the running back position, I think that's, it's a little rich. Um, and same thing with the defensive tackle position. I, I, while I do believe that, um, while I do believe that, um, Hargrave is going to no doubt, um, up up the the talent at that position that was by far the worst position on the team last year to think that it's second now mm, i don't know ahead of the linebackers i don't think so So that that was my initial instinct as well was if i thought about this and 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 just you know my first reaction would be well it's the linebackers because the best player 
on defense uh, out, you know, is Nick Bosa, but right behind him is, is Fred Warner. And then you'll also have a, someone who's not very far behind. He, he you know, Warner is, is clearly a, a, above a, a Dre Greenlaw, but Dre Greenlaw is kind of up and coming. And so I said, wow, you know, you have two really good young players at that position. One is, you know, all pro. And that is what I would have suggested just off the top of my head. But then I thought, you know, I would have said defensive line also if he would have if he didn't split up tackle and end, but he split right. up tackle and end. And so you got to go all the way down to uh, number six for the 49ers who, you know, their their best player on their team arguably is Nick Bosa. And yet his position is six out of uh, out of ten. Uh, or no, six out of twelve on this on this exercise that that Barros did. So because there's a lot of because que- beyond Nick, there are a whole lot of question marks. Um, so I get that. Yep, I get that. So yeah, I mean, it's a I I will. It's going to be interesting um, looking at this a little deeper because I you know I like to really get into the weeds and like he has the guards ahead of center, which I think is ridiculous um it is i i'm not the biggest brindle fan but <laughs> i but you know I, I again this is the argument i've had all off season is that people are you know in the media in addition to the fans because the fans are the fans but the media keeps saying you know you know the great season that banks and burford had but you know mcclinchy was the worst pass protector in the history of 49er football <laughs> let some people tell it but their pressure rates were worse than his um on a per play basis so right. it, it, how how can that be so how can their seasons be revelations and his is the worst ever it, it just doesn't make sense now i get it you know i guess we could say that they could both improve i, I guess but uh, but that doesn't but for last season, it was what it was. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I would expect them to both improve as well. But, you know, again, I, I, you know, at a certain point, you have to see it yep. <laughs> as yep. well. So, I mean, there's, there is no guarantee that, you know, that there's going to, you're going to get a second or third year bump. You know, you, ex- you, you, it can happen, but you can't, you know, just pencil it in. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. And lists like this, you know, he's looking at it from the perspective of, and this is kind of how you have to look at it, which is, you know, everyone's healthy on day one, unless they aren't. Uh, And from what it sounds like, even, you know, the projections of Brock, you kind of have to sort of look at him as either being ready or close to being ready at the start of the season. So uh, he was looking at it in that way. And if you do, Christian is such a game changer and we only got to see him for half of the season last year. And I'm sure, you know, Kyle salivating at having him and Debo for a full season and you look at it, you know, with, with the glass half full rather than glass half empty because there's no injuries yet. So that's a big part of this as well. But I, I know that you look at the roster at that depth. So that I, I kind of wanted your, yeah, it was very, it's very, that. that's the, that is the kind of stuff that I could spend days talking about so yeah it's um i can't wait to you know i'm gonna get in and i'll dig in and i'm gonna you know maybe as we get closer to training camp we can have our own rankings of what we think um 
what we and I'm sure we're going to do that as we get closer to the season what how we you know kind of expect things to go so yeah that'll be interesting all right we're going to talk about um we're going to kind of try and predict some of the bigger stories heading into training camp about this team now going back to what Barrow said arguably the most talented roster of this century there's pressure on them to to win ball games. You know they've they've come so close uh, the last two years or no two of the last three years. They were in the Super Bowl, you know, right before the pandemic happened. So they've been on the cusp of breaking out. And one of the I'm sure we're going to see tons of prognostications of 49ers are the most talented team or the 49ers are you know, the best team in the NFC or they're right behind the Eagles. We're going to see all of that because of what Barrows wrote. But there are, I feel like there are still a a decent amount of question marks now on, you know, in today's NFL, you're not going to have a good player at every single position. The way the salary cap works, it's just not going to happen. Like it it doesn't happen in any sport. Uh, You see all the stuff going on in, in basketball right now. And, you know, guys are, who you would think are $10 million, $15 million players, they're going to end up signing for minimum just because they're going to get squeezed out of positions because of this cap, and you're really maneuvering contracts rather almost more than you're maneuvering talent and, and players for positions. So we go into this knowing that while the Niners may have a ton of talent, they're still not uh, a, a, an all-pro, a pro bowler at every position. So there's going to be a lot of pressure, I think, on the coaching staff sort of like what you were talking about with with, uh, with Banks and, and the guard situation in making that better without really making the position better overall with, with the talent. So my, I wanted to do this where we just kind of trade off things and it'll sort of tell me what is on the top of your mind. And that's pr- it's probably going to be a little different. Now we may get some that, that are similar, but I figure we'll go like two or three each and just kind of discuss what we think are going to be the big stories. Um, if I'm thinking like uh, a, a hot taker or uh, someone who works for the ringer and you're just thinking of topics that you want to write about, I think the first thing that I would think about writing about would be about Kyle Shanahan. The boy genius, um, the the young head coach who now his talent tree of coaches has been picked from uh, he can't keep a coordinator because he turns these coordinators or he helps turn these coordinators into uh, head coaches, this whole thing. And I think we as a fan base have been both very easy on him and both very hard at him almost at the same time, just because of the expectations with this franchise and with the coaches who have come before him. So my first one for the most intriguing storyline is something to the effect of, can Kyle Shanahan win the big one? And I think there's going to be a lot of discourse about it because the the Shanahan people would say he was Jimmy Garoppolo away from winning the Super Bowl. He was Jimmy Garoppolo away from getting back to the Super Bowl. He was a QB away from getting back to the Super Bowl last year. So 
But there is that, you know, he is the quarterback guru. And the fact that the quarterback position is the one position that in the majority of the fan base's eyes has kept us away from winning a title is kind of ironic to me. And we did, we have the Trey thing, and I'm sure Trey will be an intriguing storyline. And now we have the Brock thing and, and Brock getting hurt at the end of the season, you know, really, you know, the whispers about his size and his strength and all of that stuff, it kind of came to a head in just this one game and this one freak accident. What do you think about can Kyle win the big one? I think I draw a lot of parallels between him and Andy Reid, Andy Reid in Philly. Um, that was, that was a knock on him. They were his entire time there. They were great teams, but he just couldn't seem to get over the hump. Um, I think Kyle, he's 43 years old. Um, and again, I, you know, you, you never know how it's going to go, but it, you know, in coaching years, I mean, he is in the infancy of his career, unless he, you know, pulls like a Dick Vermeil and, and re- or a John Madden and retires early. But it, it, you one would think he's not afraid that, of flying. I don't think so. Yeah, I think he'll one, be fine. yeah, one would think <laughs> that he's got a lot of football coaching ahead of him. Um, and it's just been, you know, it's again, have we? It's hard to say that he hasn't gotten the quarterback position right because you know Jimmy won a lot of games. Um, I mean, he I mean, he's, he got a lot out of guys like Mullins and Beathard. I mean, so it seems to me, you know, we don't. I'm not one who is willing to. Um, Brock is, I, I believe Brock Plue proved last year that he can be an effective NFL player. Mm-hmm. To what level, I, I'm i not convinced. You know, I'm not one who's convinced that he's a quarterback one, but I know a lot of people are. Um, There's a lot of hope that he is, right? Because that, that's what the quarterback position has been for us, has been hope. We've had, you know, just to go back to 2005, right? It's just been hope after hope after hope after hope. And then when you get somebody, you know, they wanted to chop them down almost immediately. They were almost were frustrated that they had to give Colin this contract and almost wanted him to fail, it seemed like, you know, once he signed that deal. And so then now it's just hope again and hope again. And, and Jimmy was hope. And now Brock is hope. Trey is hope. They have not had a reliable guy outside of those, uh, the four years with the last two years of Alex or that last year and a half of Alex. And then those two years of Colin to where you could say, Oh, that, that guy, you know, he, he could possibly take us to the Super Bowl. J- I think Jimmy got close. He got really close, but there was always that one mistake or that one not seeing where the blitz is coming you know, that the the injury that he would get late in the season. And all of a sudden, you know, we learn he's playing with like a busted shoulder in, in a big game. So it, it's 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 really just the hope of the quarterback position. And, and we just have not been able to establish somebody in there for a long period of time. Well, I mean, I think. At, you know, with Jimmy, I think you you what I believe happens is you get to a point where you see that this guy he is not somebody who 
when the chips are down, if you need this, this guy to go out there and make a play to win you a game, he's not that guy. I mean, he can keep the, the, the analogy I like to use is he is somebody who can keep the bus in the center of the road. And most times he's not going to drive it into a ditch, but you know, he's, he's not going to be somebody who's going to make Kyle right. If he doesn't call the right, the right, the exact perfect play, Jimmy was not going to be a guy who's going to go out there and go off script and make a play yeah. um, to win you a game. That's just not how he is built. Um, and so it seemed to me that they decided to spend the capital that it would take to get a guy like that because, you know, which is something, it's funny that we have done a lot of relitigating this whole thing again with the Schefter nonsense um, that we, we traded all that capital. He believed to draft Mac, which is just ridiculous. Nobody, everybody, everybody is trying to, to draft Patrick. They're not trying to draft Tom Brady. Because if you if that if that was who they wanted, if Mac Jones was who they wanted, they could have stayed at 12 and got that guy if that was what you want. But Mac is not an upgrade over Jimmy in my estimation. If that is what you want, you got that. You know, so what you're looking for is somebody who can go out there and be a guy who can go out there and make the big play um when you need it. Is Trey that? I don't know. I know that his skill set is somebody who profiles like that. And it also looks to me like if you look at, again, Brock played great last year. But when it came time to go get a quarterback three, Sam Darnold profiles a whole lot more like Trey than he does Brock. When you could have went out and drafted Hayner or Stetson Bennett, if, 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 if you believe that the Brock model is what gets you know, does that for you. You can get that guy all day long. The 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 plucky moxie, um, that guy again. Hayner from Fresno State was that guy. Stetson Bennett won two national championships. It, you know, if that's your cup of tea, is that going to translate in the NFL? I doubt it. I'm just like I I'm like I say I'm not one who believes that this, but I'm you know. I, it it behooves it, it would be great if Brock is who a lot of the fan base thinks he is. But I've been making bets all offseason. I guarantee <laughs> you, I guarantee you, eight eighty winning percentage and one hundred seven <laughs> quarterback rating ain't who this guy is. And if you believe that that's who he is and that is your expectations for him, you're setting yourself up and him up. For failure, that's Steve, not who. That's that's just that's ridiculous to think. Steve Bono, baby, it. we we that that was Steve Bono. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> that 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 is his um baseline of who he is. That it is. So we're going to find out together who he is. Um, but again, like I say, to think that because again, man, he could be again, he could be a ten-year starter in this league. And never have a stretch like that again. I mean, and that, I don't think that that's a hot take to to have this. No, I mean, it's just it's just more of a practical reality. <laughs> but but look, and and if you are wrong, 
That's that's the happiest you'll ever be wrong in your life. Great. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, so it's one of those things where you, I can't lose. <laughs> oh, here, so wrong. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. He said something. He said something that, that reminded me, and it's just because I just have been watching this. The uh, Bill Walton 30 for 30 on ESPN. It's a four-part series. Uh, the, I, I guess it's sort of arguably the best basketball book of all time is called breaks of the game by david halberstam mm-hmm. and it covers the you know the mid-70s blazers when walton was finally healthy and they go all the way and they win the title and so dr jack ramsey is calling a a, a play after a timeout and, and it's like they have like i don't know 10 seconds left in the game lionel hollands pulls up contested jumper somehow goes in and they win the game I think this, I want to say this was a playoff game and Dr. Jack was like happy they won, but kind of mad because he wanted to see his play like actually come to fruition. So they actually got an open shot instead of a contested shot. Mm -hmm. So my question is, could Trey even be Trey in the Shanahan system because he has his QBs specifically uh, trying to do certain things and he does not give a lot of freedom uh, as far as we know when it comes to certain things. So I kind of wonder, you know, would, would, is Shanahan going to put Trey in a box and make him, you know, not be the best version of Trey? And maybe he's a pretty darn good version of another quarterback, but can he have a Patrick Mahomes on his team with the way that he kind of runs the offense. I I get 100% what you're saying. Um before I make my point, I started watching that um that Bill Hal- Walton the 30 for 30 after you you mentioned it in one of our little chats. Yeah. And 
I only remember the Bill Walton from the Celtics. Yeah. That Bill Walton from Portland was a problem. <laughs> that dude was good. He was really good. I mean, I, I guess that I sound like an idiot because obviously he's one of the 75 best, play, best players, but I had no idea how what would a healthy Bill Walton look like? Because yeah. the guy I always saw was the, the limping around. Yeah, older guy um, at the at the end of his career. But that dude was a monster. But anyway, that's an interesting point you bring up about Trey because in studying the Shanahan offense, the way I I've spent like the last three or four all seasons at different points. I, I'm going to be honest. I kind of hate studying offense that, you know, 12 <laughs> personnel, 21, per- that shit, it, it gets really, really tedious to me, but I've spent a quite a, quite a bit with the, um, with his offense. And it's easy to see how, when you look at th- the dynamics of the offense, it's easy to see how he fell in love with the, the, the things that Trey can do it, because they, they dovetail so well with, um, I could just see him on his little iPad thinking, watching Trey and saying, man, all the things that I could do with him in the RPO game, um, in the play action game, in in, in the deep passing game, he really, his skill set unlocks the offense. But the question is, you know, in, in, in theoretically he does, but, in reality, are will you give him the keys yeah. to do all the things that his abilities allow him to do? Because there's there's risk involved. Again, as we've seen, there is an injury risk with running, um, with giving the quarterback the option to run as much as a Shanahan offense fully formed does i mean because if you are giving trey the reads to be able to make the reads and you're not making the reads for him you're allowing him to go with what he sees it that's risky i mean I, there's there's no doubt about it and we also saw how the, trey got injured right was we on saw the worst yeah the worst version of that we saw that because it's that just especially with a young quarterback he's more often than not if the run is an option. He's probably going to take that option because, I mean, he believes in him same and his, his ability to, to make those plays. And, but if kind of to your point, if you're going to take that stuff off the table, then what's the point of having him out there? I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't, if you're not going to run that type of offense, it doesn't make any sense to have, it, you you can have Jimmy or Brock out there if you're not gonna if you're not going to run the RPO and the play action game where the quarterback if you're not going to run it the way the Eagles run it with Jalen Hurts and allow the quarterback's legs to be a part of the offense then it just doesn't you know it doesn't make any sense to to have him they so had a front row to, ticket if you're going to have him in there you have to um allow him you know you gotta let you gotta let trey cook if that's what you're gonna do and then so that then i would suggest building your quarterback room the way it seems like he is then you have two or three of those guys who can like they do when you know again baltimore 
has like lesser versions of Lamar <laughs> behind yeah. him. I mean, Anthony Brown and um, Tyler Huntley aren't Lamar Jackson, but they're Lamar Jackson-ish. Yeah. Um, and so that's how you build your quarterback room. Um, because, and, and, yeah, and, and the point, if you want to, I think there are two things here. We all got the front row seat at how Philadelphia just wears teams down. Wear us down, wear us down, wear us down, and then boom, big play, touchdown. You're like, what the hell just happened? Niners got to see that. They got worked. You know, the game could have possibly been different had Brock not been injured, but he was getting hurried, you know, when he was playing, he was getting Mm -hmm. hurried. But the second thing, you could see Shanahan having to be a little bit more open to some of the things that Brock was doing. And you could see him going like, well, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt here because he's a rookie, or I'll give him the benefit of the doubt here because he actually made the play. Like you could see Shanahan gritting through his teeth on some of these throws. And then all of a sudden Kittle's in the end zone, waving the ball around for touchdown. And you're like, okay, well that worked. That might not have been how I designed it necessarily, but he used a little bit of escapability and a little bit of, you know, QB savviness to set up certain things to, to actually make big plays. So Shanahan did have to deal with that a little bit last year for the first time since he took over. Cause Brian Hoyer, wasn't going to make that play mm-hmm. CJ. Like you said, CJ wasn't going to make that play. Mm-hmm. CJ would rather, you know, do a quarterback dive and hit linebacker helmet, the helmet before he was going to, you know, get out of the pocket and move like that. So those are two things that kind of give me a little bit of an idea that he may have to be open to it in order for the Niners to really, really, really reach all of the the, the uh, talent evaluators and uh, what they think that the Niners can do. Because, you know, you have when you have Debo and you have Christian and you have Ayuk and you have George and you have Juice, it's like. There's so many opportunities for uh, guys to be open. And I'm sure Shanahan's just looking at it going, like, okay, well, my play, because we have so much talent, my play is going to work. But he's not designing it against, you know, the, the defense that is out there on the field. So the quarterback is the one that's going to have to ultimately make that decision. And I do think you're going to have to give some leeway as closely he wants to hold on to the reins because you want the quarterback who's going to use his brain and not be an automated robot at the end of the day. That's the, it's, you said it a couple of interesting things there that, um, number one, it was, um, it was, it wasn't even close from week seven on. Um, and that was when Christian got here. Um, Brock, Yimmy and Brock had, um, by far, by percentage, the most wide open receivers um, in the league. I mean, it it would have demolished everybody else um, if it, if it if they had been able to do that for a full season. So I say that to say that one of the reasons Kyle is so adamant about just you run your run my offense. I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you wide open looks. I'm giving I'm gonna give you layups. All I need you to, I don't need you to like be going off script. Just, you know, hit the guys that I give you. Um, 
So that that I, I can see from from his standpoint where he's coming from as the coach. But like you say, there are times when you know I, I had a coach who used to always say, "Man, at some point, sometimes you just gotta um, get your head out the playbook." And read the defense. You got to do mm-hmm. what what's on. You know, I can only help you so much. What's happening out there on the? You're out there, so you know, you need to go out there and make a play. Um, so that that's the yin and the yang of it. In that, you know, Kyle, it's, it's you know, I can't remember which one of it, if it was Shab or um Ryan who said that he, you know, Kyle is kind of like on the sideline with a joystick. He wants that's how he wants his quarterbacks to play. He wants to, he wants you to be an extension of him out there on the field. So, you know, he you know he didn't really want you doing a whole lot of improvisation. You, yeah. you know, run the play. <laughs> run the play. Um and I'm gonna give and, and that that's the thing about Kyle though, is he's gonna give you looks. He's going to put everybody you know we're going to talk about um this exercise that i have done for like several years now it is crazy um in preparation for this you know i my little model that i use i i use it so often that i just take the numbers for granted because i know um i know how the sausage was made and i i trust the numbers but in um, research and to talk about it today, it is crazy when you go back and you go back. I went all the way back to like Washington, through Washington, Cleveland, Houston, you know, Atlanta, and then here, how um, with a few exceptions, Kyle's numbers, you know, it's like, it's it's uncanny how many, how often his wide receiver one is going to get the, the X receiver is going to get this percentage of the offense. The tight end is going to get this percentage. The running back is going to get this, these many targets. He's going to get these many carries. It is crazy how consistent it is um, throughout his career. Um, and then even here with a few exceptions, like um, it's crazy, you know, um, to think about Christian, when I think about Christian and what he's going to do this year um, in his first year here, Carlos Hyde got like 90 <laughs> targets. I mean, um, so when you talk, when you think about when I when I when I projected wait, was that chip? Who's co- was that is that no, chip Cummins? It, no, in um Kyle's first year here. Oh, and, Kyle's um, first year. Got it, and, got it, got it. And, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's um, 17, right. Carlos Hyde, he got 90 targets. Um, so to think that um, you know, Christian, I project him to have a night. 80 like 98 targets. I mean, that's if Carlos Hyde can get 88, thinking that Christian's gonna be near hundred is not it's not a stretch at all, especially when you um just extrapolate what he did when he got here, um, which is gonna affect everybody else. But um, it's just the consistency with which his ex receiver and everybody in his it seems like I, I don't and I'm sure that it's not like I'm I'm gonna get this guy the this number of targets I'm going to get. This. It's just, but it's just the way that he calls a game and the way he sees things. He, these guys, his playmakers, he makes sure that his playmakers get the ball. And I just, I, I, I just can't imagine how excited um, CMC and Debo are. All that all the playmakers are, but especially yeah. those two. I, I just, I think that they are both going to have just um, 
awesome seasons. And this, this, this offense is going to be, if we can block it, man, I just think we are going to, it's going to be, it's going to be a track meet. All right. We went long on my first one, but what, what is yours? What is your, mo- what is one of your most intriguing storylines heading into camp? I'm going to, you know, I love the offensive line. I, it is, it's, it's, um, um, McNuggets. I mean, is McKibbitts. What can, <laughs> what can he, um, can he hold it down? Um, the way he's been in his short run, he's been an excellent pass blocker. And I don't, so I don't think that's going to be a question is, is can he hold up over there over the long run? The question is going to be is what kind of run blocker he is on an offense that, um, again, looking Kyle's um the how his good teams profile the running game kind of like Mike before him the run game sets it all up if the run if they can dictate with the run they can you know the offense is going to be unstoppable and that is where McKivitz's um weakness has been he has not been he's definitely hasn't been McGlinchey in the run game he's been a below average run player um it's going to be interesting to see if he can improve and if there are ways that um you we've seen how with like McClinchy how George was used or the tight ends in general but George specifically were used to help shore up um especially against speed rushers just give him help to, you know, offset his slow feet. Can you scheme it up to help him in the run game in a similar way um, to kind of help and mask? And then hopefully um, Burford showed real promise on that right side as a run blocker. So what are there ways that he can use juice or Kittle to kind of augment and help um, us continue to be able to hit people in the mouth in that part of the game. So that's something that is real interesting to me because if we can't, what does our offense, I, I think we're going to be good regardless, but if we aren't as effective in the run game as we have been in previous years, how does that change how he calls games? Um, so it, that'll be interesting to see. And if we do change, because there were times like, like I mentioned that those those first two years when we we had really shit <laughs> skill position players mm-hmm. um and he had to he called more pass heavy um game plans and I but I just don't we've seen that that's not when we are um when the Shanahan office is not is not as it's not at its most effective when we are a pass heavy team. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting to me. So, you know, my worry there, obviously there, there are some question marks there, but my bigger worry is, okay, now what happens if one of the guys that we're not even sure if we can count on gets hurt because there are are guys below that guy who we're sure we are not going to be able to count on the depth is, is, isn't great when you don't have, you know, above average players uh, on the on the starting 
uh, offensive line there. So that that's kind of a worry on me. But, you know, you, you just kind of hope that it's one of those things where when you play for a really good team and there's expectation that you, you need to sort of put your hard hat on and in the Bill Belichick way, just do your job that because your teammates are so good and because your team is going to be so good, you sort of, you'll kind of have to raise your game up and you have to be, uh, you, you cannot be the, the weakest link. And so I wonder, you know, how much of those guys feel that pressure because we just said, Matt Barrow said, arguably the greatest talent roster in this century if you are on that offensive line or on the defensive end, you know, Drake Jackson, like we said, God, there's got to be some kind of pressure to be like, oh, man, like I need to be I need to raise my game quickly. I need to be way better this year than I was last year. I've never obviously been on, you know, it's it, it, it gets difficult when you start trying to compare like work dynamics to like NFL dynamics, but. They are similar in ways in the in the in a team dynamic. And I have been on really good work teams and you be you're like the guy, like you look around and you see all of these people and you like, I don't want to be the guy that um is the reason that we don't that we fall short and where we don't meet expectation. And there is a certain level of pressure, like this guy, you know, is MBA from Stanford and this guy and you know and because I was always a guy I I dropped out and I went to work and like I I you know I ain't go to business school yeah <laughs> but you know and I went to UNLV I didn't it wasn't like I was at Cal or you know hanging out you hanging out with the uh, Tark yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> so it that was but I was you know I, and I you know have been fortunate to be a part of some real, really, really um, amazing things. Um, and, you know, it, I, so I understand that pressure to be, I'm not going to be the guy that, um, you know, you know, you got rate at the, you, you have to level up and um, do whatever you got to do to um, make sure that your part that you're going to hang on to the rope and do your job and not be the reason um that this whole thing doesn't work. So yeah, I, I think that there is a certain level of pressure that comes along with that. And, you know, sometimes that's what you need to, to rise and maybe sometimes do things that maybe um, to, to perform at a level even higher than you might may have ever thought that you were, um, that you could perform at. So hopefully that's what happens with these guys that everybody levels up and, um, you know, it's not hard to when you see somebody and you got a Hall of Famer, you know, anchoring on the left side. If you can just, you know, nobody's asking you to be Trent Williams, but um, you want to be able to perform at a level where, um, you know, you are you're holding your own, I think. And hopefully, you know, these guys can do that. You know, that's that that would be the hope. I, I have two thoughts based on what you just said there and they're both basketball stories but i think they kind of relate now football and basketball you know it's more i don't imagine you know one player on the football team gets the rest of the 60 guys to go and do something in maybe more positional groups like we were saying but i remember um it was in 
Michael Jordan's second Chicago run as he's getting older. He's now in his like third mid thirties getting, getting there. And he would put together something called the breakfast club. And the, that meant, okay, every morning six we're in the gym and we're, we're working out at six o'clock AM. And it was to create uh, the consistency, but also the camaraderie of Michael going like, look how hard I work. I'm not going to ask you to work harder than me, but you need to put in the same work as me. And this is how we're going to be the best team that we can. And then there was another story, uh, the Redeem Team documentary, the 2008 U.S. Olympic team. LeBron, D. Wade, Melo, just guys in their mid-20s, like living their best life. They come back from the club or whatever, and it's like, you know, five, six o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. And as they get in and they're about to go up the elevator to go to sleep, who's coming down the elevator getting ready to work out? None other than Kobe Bean Bryant. And so they're like, oh, we just had to like go get our gear and go down to work out because we're not letting Kobe be the be the one working out while we were sleeping. Except for Melo. Melo was like, man, I went to sleep. Um. <laughs> yeah man it, it it i um dominic foxworth talks a lot about um playing with with ray and air reed and how you know how those you know some of those dudes are just different um and he talks about champ as well champ bailey um how those guys when you see because i mean everybody at the nfl level is you know those guys are all elite top top of the food chain guys but how when you see a guy and you're like you think you know i'm the man too but then when you see those guys and it's like man that dude right there is different and just their approach to um the work that they do and the work that they put in and um and so so i i think that those guys when you have um a team like the 49ers you've got those you know You've got those apex predator guys, you know, all over the roster, Trent and Nick and George um, and Debo and C and, you know, CMC. Those are all they, they, it, amongst predators. Those dudes are apex predators, um, you know, best in the game. Those are all best in the game type players. Um, and, you know, we're fortunate to have a roster, a roster littered with them so um you don't have to look far for examples of what if you want to be the best this you know and or if you're trying to measure yourself against the best um that you know you don't have to look far here um to see the you know what that looks like all right i'm gonna go with my next one now we talked about the nick thing that was like our entire show two weeks ago. That's going to be a big story, but we kind of talked about kind of how that whole thing's going to work and what the calculus is there. I think that only becomes a real story as they get closer to the season starting um, because then there's, there's some pressure there. And, and I would imagine that they get it done uh, because you want a, a, a happy, as, as much work as that dude does to get his body right for the season. You want that guy to also, feel the security as well of you know like i said being arguably the best player on your team 
So I'm going to go with, and this is all because of Debo himself. Debo created this storyline himself by saying last year he was not himself and the contract situation really frustrated him, which is another reason to get the Nick thing done like sooner than later. But Debo said that he was not his best self last year and that this offseason he really worked hard to get back to the guy he was two years ago. I think this is a story in of itself just of, okay, like, yeah, last year Debo wasn't fantastic. He was often hurt, um, maybe a little frustrated at times. But the two years ago, Debo, that dude was one of the best players I've ever seen on a football field. So is he setting himself up a little bit by saying that he's trying to become that guy again? Because that guy was all worldly. And now the Niners actually have more weapons, so he may not even get the ball as much. Um, I mean, everyone want, everyone is going to say that they worked harder to get, and I believe him. I believe that he understands that last year was probably a little disappointing for him. Um, but this is also, he only signed a three-year deal, so it's not like free agency isn't around the corner again for him. Uh, so what do you think about Debo? Like, can you see, can you see this becoming a story, especially... If, you know, maybe closer to the beginning of the season, if he doesn't get off, you know, really, really quickly. But I, I sort of feel like he kind of created this story himself by some of the comments he made in the media. I think he missed a lot of time. And then the thing that I don't think that we take into consideration is, okay, once he is back out there, I mean, to expect him to be like, you know, full go when he gets back out there, it's probably not realistic. But when you look inside the numbers on a per attempt and a per reception basis, he was still as effective as ever. Um, so couple that with the fact that, again, as I, I've talked about earlier, you can see there's a, there's a, 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 a real direct through line in, um, the Kyle Shanahan offense through every stop. The X gets the ball. He's the X is going to get 20% of the targets. That 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 just that is just what it or more. Because when George was the X in 18 and 19, he got 25% of the targets. I mean, just, so that's just nuts. And so, and those were the type of the numbers that that position. In the, in the Shanahan offense, when you talk about Andre Johnson, you talk about Julio Jones, you talk about, you know, hell, even <laughs> Pierre Carson in, um, in Washington, when George played. So Debo's the X. The X is going to get the ball. Um, so I believe he's going to have the opportunity to have a monster season in this offense. So I think if he's able, again, I think what it's going to come down to with both him and uh, CMC is health. If they are healthy and play 14 to 15 games and aren't, don't have a, you know, or they play, but they've got like some lingering things that they're dealing with. If they are as healthy as one can be, you know, healthy in air quotes um, enough to perform. I think that he has uh, a real, real, 
bounce back season because Kyle has just always seemed um, whoever that X is in the offense, they get they get the ball. They eat. They they are going to eat. And I think Debo. Um, I, I don't think that I, I don't think that that this year will be any different. I, I expect a, a huge bounce back season for Debo this year. All right, what's next on your list? I I think we kind of talked about it before. I'm excited to see um, what we're able to do um, in terms of turning a weakness on the interior of our defensive line into a strength, and how Hargrave. Um, is able to, I, I, I'm not, I don't have any question that he's going to be a dominant force as a pass rusher. I'm just hope I'm, I'm interested to see if he is able to um, help us shore up our run defense, which again, people all last year were telling me, oh, we are remember number one in, you know, run in yardage or blah, blah, blah. When I kept saying that our nobody, Eric Armstead was the only interior defensive lineman who made plays at all last year. And when we came up against teams with good interiors, Kansas City, Philadelphia, they just ran our dudes up out the club. All you know, so can Hargrave, you know, I, I, I still hold out hope for Ken Law, but I mean. That that train is, you know, we're getting yeah. pretty late in the day <laughs> for that. Um, uh, Kalea Davis didn't play at all last year, but he profiles as somebody who can help there. Um, and you got a bunch of guys. <laughs> the rest of the guys are kind of just guys. McGill did his best. Hyder, all those guys. I think if we want to get where we want to go, especially against the teams that we're going to have to do what we need to do, to get where we need to go, Phillies, you know, that Philly team, that Kansas City team, that Detroit team, which, you know, uh, a lot of some people might think is ridiculous. They have a great interior defensive line, um, interior offensive line. Um, so those are the teams to get to where we want to go to win that, that Super Bowl. Those are the teams we're going to deal with. I'm, you know, I'm not really concerned about us stacking up numbers against the Rams and the Cardinals to be able to say, oh, we are the best Russian defense because we held those dudes. We played four games against those dudes and didn't help. They didn't get anything. Uh, so that those kind of games help bump up your stats. But to be able to perform against the best of the best, we need to really shore up that um, that area. And we'll see. Um, I, I have no question about Hargrave as a pass rusher. Uh, so while we are not as strong on the ends as we have been, um, I don't think that we're going to miss any production because the, the pass rush is going to, it'll, it'll look different. Um, you're not going to have the Ferrari out there with Amit, Hugh and Ebacom and Bosa just wreaking habit from the outside. We're going to get a lot more interior pressure than we ever have. Um, so it's, I think the numbers are going to even out, but what's going to, my question is, is when the chips are down and we need to sit down and stop people from running down the throat of our defense, can we stop that? Um, so that's, you know, that's one of the, the big questions for me. And, and, you know, I, I, you know, I have hope that Hargrave 
with Armstead next to him that they will be able to hold it down. But it, we'll see. You know, it's going to be an interesting. We're going to, it's going to be interesting to see. All right, I have one more. We we do want to move on. We have one more. Um, we have one more segment that we want to. It'll, it'll be a quick one on yeah. on props and 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 stuff. Uh, I think I don't think the QB situation is necessarily that intriguing. I think we know the deal. Brock, if healthy, is coming back as number one. Trey is you know, going to get a lot of snaps because Brock is, is not healthy. But if Trey is the starting quarterback on week one, then something happened that, that, you know, caused that. And more than likely it is just bringing Brock back slowly from the injury. Uh, Trey could also play his ass off, but I still feel like Brock is going to be there. Now that might not be a hundred percent true. I may just be what I'm reading through, but the intriguing piece of this, if it happens, is the Sam Darnold piece because I just cannot imagine he's going to be happy being QB three. If he does not beat out Trey for that second spot, like, can you see him asking the 49ers to cut him so that he can go be a number two elsewhere? I doubt it. I I think that for him, that would be the worst look in the world with all that he had coming into this what he needs to do is regardless of where he is on the death chart he needs to be a good soldier and if he gets on the field fine because i don't think with his skill set it's a lot like trey he has the perfect skill set for this offense and i believe that if he gets the opportunity to play that he will make himself a whole lot of money in this offense i can't imagine where where he would go if he was cut from here, that would be a better situation for him. He just needs to play the good soldier and wait his turn. And I, I think that he can do more to rehab, to rehabilitate himself by doing that than he could by going and even playing somewhere else. That That's just kind of how I see it. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. I think I don't, I, I I don't see the quarterback problem. I don't see it being a problem. I think all of these dudes can play. Mm-hmm. I think all of these dudes bring something to the table. And again, I yeah, I get called. I get I get called being you know like you know, and maybe I am a Trey Stan. I mean, I that's fine. I I didn't see all this stuff that you know Brock played. He played lights out, and that is great. What I also know is that that offense, that I don't know that Brock does all of that that he did if the offense is operating at the level it was week one versus um, Chicago, week yeah. two versus Seattle, week three versus Denver, because we want to bring him on Trey. Jimmy is y'all guy. We couldn't do anything against Denver. Yeah, three. We weren't playing well. The offense. You know what we? You know what we could do though. We could step on uh, in the back of the end zone and get a safety. Oh my god! <laughs> we could a pick, fumble, safety, trifecta twice. But anyway, though the offense was clicking in a way when Brock came in. Yeah, 
that Trey didn't get. I, so I'm one who's, when I say I'm a Trey stand, I didn't see all this stuff that Brock did that Trey, I, I didn't see, I don't think that, you know, he hasn't done it. Okay, say that. Okay, he hasn't, and I can acknowledge that. But I didn't see a whole lot out there that Trey has, there's, that, there's an in, that he has an inability to do. So I think that all of those guys, if they are put in that situation, can thrive. So then we'll, we just, we'll see. We will see. Um, I find it fascinating that, okay, if we start with Brock, what, I mean, it did, does Brock just have tenure? And and so <laughs> that regardless of what it is, we're going to still be talking about what he did last year. How long, how long, well, how long is the lease with Brock? How long or when do we start evaluating him based on what he is doing now and not based on what he did previously? When does that happen? And so when does, you know, is it, you know, I don't think it's fair for at any position for it to be like a week to week. Yeah. I, you know, somebody, I don't think it's fair that you should, you're looking over your shoulder every play. I don't think that's healthy, but I also don't think that um you can just do whatever <laughs> and um it's going to be okay. He, Brock was not scrutinized last year. He was seen as kind of like a savior in a sense, right? He's going to be scrutinized this year because of all the things we just talked about with this, the expectation being so high for this team. If Brock does not play well out of the gate, he's not getting the Montana treatment. And I think that's just normal. That's just normal fan behavior. The expectations were low for him last year. He played out of this world. They're going to be so much higher for him this year. And I, what I hope is that the fan base doesn't make those expectations unachievable. Because he is only going to be in his second season having less than 10 games under his belt coming into this season. So the timeline of the quarterbacks in the situation and the peaking, that, that's my biggest worry of this whole team is you can have this roster, you could be ready, but if you don't have the QB1, unless you are the 2002 Baltimore Ravens and you know or one or whatever year that was when Trent Dilfer was their quarterback and all he did was hand off every time that's the only time I've ever seen it where you could just have an uh, a minus quarterback and and win a championship right like even uh what when when Tampa won the I think it was the following year or maybe it was a couple years after when they also had a devastating defense uh, they didn't have Trent Dilfer. They had slightly better than Trent Dilfer or a little bit better than Trent Dilfer. But that's the only time I've ever seen it where you could just have, you know, a, a really average quarterback and win the Super Bowl. So I just hope that the timeline is in accordance at some point, you know, but it's going to have to be soon based on the roster that they've built. Well, I would like to think so. I would like to think that the fan base would be realistic, but I know that that is unrealistic to think that they're going to be realistic because I have had the conversations. I posted something in a couple of groups this week about who do you think, um, you know, the, the question was kind of phrased like most improved player type thing. And I have, I put Brock in there um, because I don't think, I, I believe that he, there is, another level that he can reach um but you the fan base there's there's no go no he doesn't need to grow and develop he's 
I mean, it, but again, <laughs> I, I just think that there is a a completely unrealistic view of what this is. They think this dude is again, like I said earlier, they think that the 88% win percentage and 107 QB rating is just who this dude is. And I just that is so unfair to him. Yeah. You know, to think that he's peak please just like he ain't, think about that 88% win percentage one of the better than Joe Montana it, but again they guess they say that that's who he is so we'll see i mean i just it, i think it, that it can we, get you paid though right we to, like we saw it from Nick Foles you can you can have a hot streak it'll get you paid oh, yeah. Joe Flacco the, the consistency is is going to keep you on, on that squad the inconsistency that they're gonna they'll eat the money and send you where you don't want to go so th- well, that's going to be the key for brock is he's got a you know he, he is so early in his deal in order for him to really make some money off of off of what he's done he, he's got to have a few years like this oh yeah because the fact that that's something that i continue to mention is the fact that the fact that if he's going to get paid, he has to play well consistently. And it's going to be here because the same reason that 31 other teams didn't pick him will be the same reason that 31 other teams are not, they're not going to pay. They're not again, you know, I, God bless him. And I hope I'm wrong, but I just don't ever see that dude being a nine figure quarterback one face of the franchise do i i just for the for that reason i'm not saying he he won't deserve it but the same those people who were evaluating him and decided that he wasn't worth a seventh round draft pick are the same people who are gonna i'm not tying my future to this dude i i'd Uh rather if i'm a gm i would rather (laughs) i'd rather sign sam darnold or or pick pick the top three pick you, I, you better not be telling me zach wilson well I, mean, <laughs> I, I but again when you if you are a gm and you're trying to sell your ownership group and franchise um your fans um if you're trying to spin a narrative you sign zach wilson and then you have them go out there and watch him um roll to the right and throw that bitch <laughs> up 80 yards and everybody you'll be able to and then i mean look byu he's he selling your franchise and your owner on zach wilson will be a whole lot easier than telling him yeah 100 million dollars to brock purdy by the way I, who, <laughs> is brock is brock purdy bigger than uh the number one pick uh bryce young is he are they the Probably, same yeah. size yeah, uh-uh no yeah, they say that you know they say that um that um that young is like six foot two hundred pounds with a pocket full of quarters and high heels. <laughs> they say he is really small. He's closer to five nine. Wow, he is a small small dude. And that's five, that's like Kyler Murray size, right? Yeah, as far as yeah, and, and 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 but but you know Kyler is like a freak off of the charts type athlete yeah and brock is not i mean um bryce is not that um so you you can kind of you sell yourself on um because you know a um kyler murray is you know 
top 10 pick in, in baseball too. So I mean, yeah. he, he is a, an elite, elite, elite athlete. Like Michael Vick type athlete, you know, those kind of die when you're small and those kind those guys are different in, in, you know, in that sense. But, um, We'll see. I mean, I, I think that's I think that's the question with like with Bryce Young as well, is that um is he gonna be able to stay on the field? How many, you know, how many hits can because I mean as much as we try to um as much as we try to um legislate the violence out of this game, I mean, you know, you just you know, short of putting flags on them, those dudes are gonna get hit. So we'll see. All right, we're going to end this show with a short segment here on uh, props for the season. And where did you get these numbers from? These numbers are from um, prize pick because, you know, I'm here in California. I can't, you know, FanDuel and DraftKings and Caesars, they have some real exotic um, props, but we can't bet on them here in California. But for some reason, prize picks, um, and I'm not affiliated with them and I don't, I don't have an affiliate link or anything like that. So, you know, you, if I, if I were you, I, I, my brother is in Nevada, so I, I bet on Caesars through them. And if you, <laughs> if any of these, um, another thing, I, a tip I give you is if you, any of these numbers that I share with you shop them, because I, I did George, George's yards didn't make this screen, but I think that's a huge bet. It's like, um seven on prize picks is like 725 and a half yards over i think i think he crushes that but on caesars you can get 675 and oh a wow half, which is yeah which i think that that is a steal they're, they're almost betting on him just getting hurt yeah that it, you, that's the only yeah that's you know so you have that factors in but i mean if he if he stays upright <laughs> For 15 games, I think he crushes 675. But anyway, there these are the numbers um, that are on Prize Pick as of Friday, and there are a couple that I just think are um, are just layups like that Christian McCaffrey um, receiving number. I think he crushes that. In this, I, I we had, I had mentioned earlier that um, the running backs in this Kyle Shanahan offense in guys who are not nearly the receivers that um, McCaffrey are, have always gotten a, a um, the RB one has always gotten a healthy share of um, reception um, of targets. And um, that was no different last season. Um, Christian, when he got here, he averaged like eight targets a game. Um, and if you just, extrapolate that out over a 15 or 16 game season which you know that that accounts for him you know missing a couple of games um he crushes he gets 90 and he doesn't he doesn't you know he has he's a guy who is when you look at his numbers career-wise it's crazy he catches like 85 90 percent of his targets he doesn't drop the ball he you know he if you throw it to him He's going to catch it. Um, and the thing that I kind of love about this guy, which, you know, maybe to his detriment it ends up being, but I don't know if anybody else noticed, but he does not like coming off the field. No, Anytime he, he was not. on the sideline, you could just tell he was itching to get back in there, which, I mean, 
we're going to see that, you know, we talked about, you know, Barrows and his, um, always, always, um, I, I kind of, you know, they used to, when he was at the B, they called him B Rose. And that's what yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Um, I, uh, but yeah, you talk about the depth at running back and it's going to sort of be interesting to see, um, even if you start trying to rest him or, or yeah. game manage or to, um, um, What's what do we talk about in yeah, the um, NBA? What's the NBA in term? NBA, yeah, what's yeah, the Kawhi um, Leonard term here? I always forget. Rest, yeah, load uh, manage. If load we're gonna manage, load manage yeah, him, load manage. I just don't. Th- I I don't think that Christian is gonna be on board with that at all. So I just think that you know, for the purposes of of the prop bet, I just think that he crushes. Um, I think he crushes. I think that um, my receiving number is easy the rushing number all of these numbers i i when i posted this in one of the groups it was like everybody was like all of them every over yeah, all yeah, of them yeah exactly and i mean and for the audio people who can't see the graphic that we put up so the the numbers that rod is talking about so 4.5 receiving touchdowns for the season he had five last year so this is just over under over under four and a half over under 599.5 receiving yards and 850.5 rushing yards. And I can give you the numbers uh, combined last year, which was uh, 1139 rushing and 741 receiving. So again, what the bet is, is that he's missing five games because that is the way that he will not hit those numbers is if he missed five games. Now the touchdown, the receiving touchdowns a little bit harder because there's, you know, the, the way that they're going to spread the ball it's kind of unpredictable who actually will get in the end zone. But I mean, he had five last year, four of them with the Niners in the half season that he was with us or whatever it was. So uh, all three of those look really good, but they're betting that people expect him to be injured. Cause that's kind of been the last few seasons of his career. Yeah. I, I just, I think that um, that rushing number is, when I the 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 best that I I give you like I um I know we're we're kind of running short but I love I love his over on the number on the receiving yards I love George's receiving yards his is not on the graphic but as like I say you can get that for six seventy five right now at um on Caesars or it's seven twenty five here on um Prize Picks and then I love the Debo over 780 and a half yardage like you say the touchdown was that's a coin flip always because anybody who plays fantasy knows that if you've got um a team short yardage back the skill position players in the red zone they'll get it in and the short yardage back will never won't even get on the field yeah, whenever you, they yeah. hand it off to 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 juice check in the end to get the touchdown you're like what the hell yeah i got Kittle, or, i got c-mac what's going or on here if you've got the short yard if you if you've got the skill position players they'll get it down to the two yard line and the short yard is back will poach all your touchdowns so touchdowns i you know whatever if you want to you know like last year they had the number was like six and a half for George and I had George in fantasy and he had like 11 touchdowns, which yeah. he just, his touchdowns saved my, he won a championship for me with his touchdowns. Yeah, once, just, once Brock got there, George went off. They were just so touchdowns are so random. 
Um, but yeah, I I love some, you know, like the so you like that- Debo at, at 780 and last year, uh, which was uh, the frustrating year for Debo, he was still at 630. So you're basically saying he's just got to be a little bit better than next year and he hits that number. That number seems uh, pretty hittable to me. Yeah, oh, for sure. And then like like the other numbers, like Ayuk at 850, I, I think he goes over, but I think you're going to white knuckle that one. You'll be, you'll be weak. 18 and last you- last three seasons for him 748 826 and then last year was 10 or, or uh, 1015 and that the, the the crazy thing about his numbers is he, he he led us in targets last year with 121 total but his season it was a tale of two seasons number one um Debo only played 12 games so that helped he so he's playing a lot of the X which won't be the case this year and then his he lost about a, a target and a, a one and a half targets per game from week seven on and that dovetails with christian coming and yeah. his um he you know he's gonna i just think this year i think and for as long as he's here christian is gonna be a target hog here and then like i say the x gets a bunch the tight end gets a bunch i just think that I got to say, I think Brandon will, he might very well go over, but I don't think it's going to be by a whole bunch. So yeah, what I'm looking for is value in these numbers. And I think that, um, I think Christian, I think George, and I think Debo can crush those numbers. If they, if they, you know, health is always a concern, but you know, you have to just factor that in. Um, If they, if they play, if each of those dudes play 15 games, I just think the way Kyle uses them, he crushes those numbers. They crush those numbers. So I, you know, I again, I know a lot of people like talking about gambling, but hell, at this part of the season, what hell, what the hell's else? <laughs> We're not talking about this or fantasy. What I know we- we're gonna have our, we'll have our fantasy segment <laughs> in the near future. But uh, so the next time we record will be a couple of days before training camp opens. So we'll have that to look forward to. So yeah, what, what are, that's going to be the 16th or, or 16th, 18th, so the, 18th. I think it's 18th. The, the rookies the rookies will record on the 16th but the, and the rookies record on the 18th. So yeah, yeah, we'll be on the, we'll be on the eve of like real stuff to talk about. Yes. And do you, have you decided on if you're going to try to get to practice again? Oh, absolutely. I will be reaching out to Robert and Dan and <laughs> anybody else with season tickets to um try to get that all lined. I'm going to try to get out there. I was able to do four out of six last year. I would do my best to um get out there every day and try to, um I, I have some like legit um content yeah. for our BSPN um, Discord and um absolutely yeah, i guess it's discord now i guess i still post from our our um our steadfast um we want winners facebook people who are <laughs> i can only freaking get there. back in there <laughs> yeah so yeah i still try to to show them love but you know most of those people are on discord now anyway so yeah it's just like you know it's whatever uh, so just a couple of uh just a couple of network updates so brian and i will be in sacramento tomorrow which is monday so oh. later today for those who listen to the audio feed uh we're gonna go to the california classic the warriors uh summer league team is going to play so is 
San Antonio's summer league team, but I do not think Wemby is going to be there. But if he is, I will get many pictures of that tall dude because I just want to see him yeah. in person. He's yeah, they he's say a he's giant human. They don't. They say he's probably not going to be in. Um, he's probably not going to do the West Coast, but he'll be in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, he'll be. I'm in Vegas thinking. Of, I, I just. Mm, I I I lived there for 27 years. <laughs> I I don't. I don't do Vegas in the summer. Yeah, it's <laughs> but, gonna be nuts. But I thought about going down there for the match, which I was glad I didn't because Clay they got schooled, got whapped, got yeah. whacked. But um, I have thought about going down there at least for one summer league game. But it is just so hot. I know. It's I know. Crazy. But and you know, my son just turned twenty-four. Him and his buddies will be in Vegas as well. So. He the next time that he and I record will probably not be until we're, we're gonna have to go dark one week unless I can find someone to to talk Warriors basketball about a little bit later in the week uh, because he's gonna be in Vegas. So, uh, but when he comes back, we'll have California Classic stuff. We'll have Vegas Summer League stuff to talk about uh, as we kind of you know, get into the, the, the dog days of the summer for the NBA, but also free agency stuff. Warriors just signed uh, guard Corey Joseph to a minimum today. Oh, I, nice. was, I was rooting for Austin Rivers, but uh, Corey Joseph. That would have been a good signing. I, uh, I'm, you know, obviously I'm on the network, so I'm kind of like family, but, uh, and so, but this is completely unsolicited and, you know, I'm kind of a fanboy of that um, death lineup. So if I do go down there, I will definitely be trying to uh, hook up with with Brian just to meet him and shake. Oh his yeah, I really um, I really enjoy. I especially the last two podcasts that you guys have done. I really enjoyed um, listening to what you guys are doing over there on the death lineup. So yeah, yeah. I just let him cook because he loves the draft stuff so much. Like he loves reading the scouting stuff and he he's gotten to know a few of those guys who who really go deep into that stuff. So he really enjoys it. And I was like, you know way more about these young players than I do. So I'm just going to set you up and let you cook. And like we just did segments over the last few weeks on guys who the Warriors could possibly pick, though we didn't pick the guy that he that that they actually did pick pajemski even mm-hmm. though he did see him he he went to a santa clara game specifically to watch another player but he came out of that santa clara game going like uh pajemski is the best player uh, uh, on this court so he did see him so yeah he like i i you know that's a that's a i i enjoy every podcast that i do and i had a tweet the other day i don't i don't think you're on twitter or if you are you're kind of uh low-key on it but i i'd wished him a happy birthday and I said, you know, podcast partner and son. And then I just thought about how many current podcast partners I do have. <laughs> you, Brad Evans, and Brian on this network. And then I have some others on on different stuff that I do. And I was just like, man, you know, what's really cool is I do every single show slightly differently because of the strengths of my co-hosts. And, you know, I think that's it's kind of what I like to do. Like I like to be uh, Jason Kidd as a point guard more than Kyrie Irving as a point guard. Like that's what I enjoy is kind of setting people up and letting them hit things that they're, that they're really strong with. Um, And so, you know, it's just so much fun for me to do something like this with you. And I kind of just lean into 
your passion and your expertise on on your studying of what you do and you do so in the same vein of like you know i i do this as a passion i'm no expert which is what mm -hmm. podcasts are right like we're not pete carroll and steve kerr you know talking about coaching and stuff like that is their that is their career this is our you know this is a fun passionate thing for us and we we do uh, we do really try hard to to give good information and to kind of have little nuggets of stuff to to talk about. But, you know, the ability to do this with you is so much fun to talk to do with my son and, you know, in his style. And then my buddy, my college buddy, Brad, and do it all in this in this network is just so much fun for me. I mean, it's a lot of work, but at the same time, when you're having fun, it doesn't really feel like too much work. So that's, you know, that's the whole thing for me when we do this. Um, so. Yeah, so Brian and I will be back at some point, probably not next week, but Brad and I will be back Thursday this week. Because of the holiday, we're going to be a little bit later in the week for uh, Thompson to Clark. And I'm actually going to see Giants A's on Wednesday. This will be my first game in person to see the Giants. So I'll have some, you know, some little insights and stuff for Brad and I on Thursday. And then I'm also going to what, what time is well, we'll talk about that off air. Um I uh, I have not been to a baseball game yet this year. I had decided that I'm going to see um, Ellie Dela Cruz in August. Oh, wow. When, when the Reds are here. I, I, I definitely want to see that in, in person. Um, but yeah, I, I, we'll, we'll talk on off air. Maybe I can, uh, depending on when that is, maybe I can... Um, Maybe I could, uh, like we did the last time. Maybe yeah, yeah. Not, we don't the sit last, together. Maybe uh, that was what that was uh, Santa Cruz, the Santa Cruz yeah. game that was in mm -hmm. San Francisco, which was the only way I was ever going to Chase. Is that was like <laughs> a, like a reasonable <laughs> ticket, um, and I had never been to Chase, so I wanted to experience it, and that was perfect that you were there too. But yeah, I love Oracle. Um, yeah, happy safe, happy um, fourth to you too, Shelvin, my man. Yeah. Yeah, and that's how we'll end this. Uh, have a have a fun holiday. Hopefully, people get a little bit of uh, relaxation and and spending time with their people. Uh, my people are are out of town, so I'm gonna have mm. to find some stuff to do because my wife and my stepkids they they went to North Carolina uh, oh, for nice. for the next couple of weeks, and I I decided not to go this year just because I'd taken so much time off from work earlier in the year. But I'll I'll be I'll probably go back next year with them uh but yeah so have a safe fourth stay rod. cool y'all damn yeah it's, it's hot. hot it's hot <laughs> i'm about I to know go. it's hot where shelvin's at i'm about to go grill right now and it's still uh 85 degrees outside where i'm at so that, that i may have to wait another hour but um yeah thanks to rod for doing this of course we'll be back in a couple weeks thompson to clark on thursday friday this week uh so stay cool Thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, peace out. This is BJ Kissel from KC Sports Network. In case you didn't know, the show you are listening to right now, as well as our shows, are a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. It's something we've actually done locally with our network in Kansas City as well. We're all stronger together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. Over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised more than $10 million to expand their team, podcast network, and business operations. Now, they are raising another round on WeFunder. 
WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing startup. You can invest for as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations, which will in turn help this show continue to grow. If you would like to be a part of the BlueWire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash bluewire.